Welcome to Conscious Curiosity SD, where successful leaders share their stories of leading beyond profit and are using the influence of business to positively change the companies and communities we all work and live in. I'm your host, Jeff Blanton from Jailbreak Leadership, a process to help leaders fully engage all their stakeholders by making work meaningful. We want to thank our sponsors, a collaborative community of San Diego business organizations, the Better Business Bureau, Conscious Capitalism, and Be Local, we're all focused on supporting this next generation of leader. Welcome to the show. Today, we have an amazing guest, Stacy Nelson-Smith, the founder and CEO of Civilian. Stacy, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Civilian is a full-service marketing communications agency dedicated to building stronger communities. They tackle some of the most complex social issues from preventing suicide and reducing the stigma of mental illness to encouraging recycling and conservation. Today, we're going to explore a couple of things with Stacy. First off, we'll learn a little bit about Stacy and what her led to start Civilian, which included making a very significant change from commercial marketing to social marketing. Second, she just opened this really gorgeous office downtown. And I know leaders are like going, okay, how do I deal with the remote thing, hybrid, whatever. So kind of curious to hear how that's all working out and what she learned on sure. that process. And third, kind of one of the main reasons we have her here is that uh, Civilian is a certified B Corp. And it has been since 2018. This is a process where the rubber hits the road in this concept of the triple bottom line of people, plant, and profit. What is it? How do you get it? Challenges, benefits, and should I do it? Stacy, we're going to be very busy here this morning. There's so a, uh, a lot of questions. Yeah, but I think we're going to have a lot of fun doing it. So let's kick this thing off. So okay. who is Stacy? <laughs> Give us a little quick background on who you are. And then uh, maybe walk us up to the company because you started in one fashion. And then, kind of, I don't know, halfway through whatever, you went, made a big right-hand turn, left-hand turn, made that big shift to more social marketing and what, what led to that and what's all that mean? So sure. take it away. Okay. Um, well, I think really at my core, if you said who is Stacy, it would be I'm an entrepreneur. I love to identify ways to build businesses and then have them grow. And ultimately, I just love learning. And so there's a lot of learning through the entrepreneurial process. Started Civilian, formerly known as Addies, back in 1999. And we did. We did a lot of retail clients, financial institutions, restaurant chains, automotive dealerships. And every Monday morning, you get the calls as to why we didn't sell enough pizzas or open enough checking accounts and why didn't the Fords go flying off the lot. This is capitalism. It's capitalism. <laughs> Even if they did go flying off the lot, you'd still get the calls. Um, why didn't sell more Fords? Why didn't we sell more Fords? <laughs> so in the meantime, we had started doing a lot of community service work, trying to help not-for-profits, and we would do that pro bono. And a good friend of mine connected me with a government agency that needed some consulting, so we did that for free. And then they subsequently put out an RFP to bid for the similar services and encouraged us to pursue it. And I learned a lot about government RFPs. And needless to say, the first dozen or so that we went after, we did not win. But we finally figured out the formula and have continued to do good work in that sector, continued to do pro bono work, continued to do paid work for not-for-profits and product stewardship programs. And here we are 
15 years later. So when we really made that shift to doing just the pro bono and the public service type work, we realized we enjoyed it and so much more. So we slowly started releasing the retail clients in a very intentional, but kind of a transition transition process. process, So nobody was left hanging. And then once that was done, we realized that our brand, which was at ease, really wasn't connected with who we were anymore and what we were doing. We weren't doing ads as much as we were changing behaviors and improving communities. So I love that you said we found out we liked it. We know why you didn't like Monday mornings, but right. what, so what, was, what was the transition? What was happening there for you, your team that said, well, wait a minute, maybe we should be doing more of this? Knowing that the work that you're doing is making a positive impact helps a lot. People like to go to work and know that what they're doing is meaningful. Very rarely do you get a client saying, well, can you make the logo bigger? You know, they're, what they're really worried about is, is this going to get out and is this going to reach the underserved? Is this going to reach the priority populations that we need to get these messages to? And that's just more meaningful. So kind of bring this home for the audience. Maybe get, share an example of one of the projects where you, you know, had the significant behavioral change that you were looking for. You got, got the results. Something happened where you go, whoa, this is why we do what we do. Well, definitely the one that comes to mind first and foremost is we worked on a suicide prevention campaign for the state of California through the California Mental Health Services Authority. And suicide prevention is a tough topic. And you don't really know if you're having an impact until you come to work and you get an email through the campaign website with the subject header that says, thank you. And the email went on to tell a story about a young man who had gone to the pharmacy to pick up prescriptions and his intention was to take them home and use them. And on the bag that the prescription was in, we'd actually imprinted campaign information and the helpline and other resources that they can go to. And so they went to the resources on the website and, um, probably about a month later, went back and followed up and sent that email. So it was just, it was an anonymous email. It was very impactful. But looking at my staff tear up and the hugs and the, the feels it was special. It was poignant. I know. I just got a little, you know, <laughs> kind of tickled myself. And you just kind of think about the difference of uh, how many Fords did I sell on the weekend versus finding out we might have saved someone's life based on the work we were doing. That, that's right. just so very profound. Right. So there's, there's a, a number big of, difference. Yeah, there's a number of stories like that, and it's incredibly rewarding. So at that point in time, you're kind of shifting the business, and I know you get this because being a B Corp, you know, in conscious capitalism, we talk about the higher purpose. Did you see something kind of really formulating and uh, how you went about starting to articulate that and maybe how you started to use that to ignite your staff um, in the hiring process? Um, did a higher purpose kind of start to show up? I mean, obviously it did kind of automatically, but maybe from an articulation or even a clarity to you as the leader, did something happen at that point? It was definitely the rebranding. and it, The exercise of the, going through that? Well, it was before that. Understanding that you're working in, in mental health and product stewardship and trying to educate people on recycling, at ease just didn't really live up to it. It just felt very disconnected. And the rebranding process took about a year, 
largely because, you know, we're working on other clients, so you don't necessarily focus on yourself as much, but also... It's always harder to work on your own stuff. It's a lot lot harder to work on your own stuff. So we actually hired a third party to kind of coach us and hold us accountable and bring us along. But it was the articulation of why we wanted to change the brand that made it easy to rebrand and just to really bring it all together. And, And that's when the feels... Became real. All right. Sorry, asking a question. Why do we do this? Come up with an answer. Why do you do it? Like the old three whys in a row kind of thing, right? You just right. Keep, keep peeling back the onion. Right. Finally, you get right. to this thing that says, ah. Right. So what do you do? So what do you do? So what do you really do? Right. Wait, what's that impact? Oh, you make the community better. Exactly. Exactly. Well, that's very exciting stuff. That's a huge shift in, in what, you know, your how your career kind of went. Where do you see that going? Where's the future of that now? We were just kind of talking. You had a big contract you're working on now, and I think the world's becoming more in tune to these kinds of things. So what, what do you see? What's the future? Uh, you know, the, it's tough to tell. Uh, when you look at mental health 10, 12 years ago, it was mental illness, and now it's called mental health. And we as a society have normalized that. Um, childhood obesity has gone through its own shifts. But what you really kind of see is every five to 10 years – and COVID and pandemic aside, there's a real focus on whatever the most emerging health inequities are or the uh, biggest needs in prevention. So what are the big hottest topics today? Well, I, I think I was mentioning ACEs and toxic stress to you earlier. Uh, that's a very important one. So another big one is appropriate recycling of medication. And the government's been trying to do it since day one, but it's a tough thing to do. People don't want to let go of their, what they kind of feel is a safety net and proper disposal of sharps. So that's kind of coming to the forefront because states are starting to legislate it now. Mm. So so your role in this really is problem identified, Mm -hmm. some sort of solution sort of a hand, and they come to you and say, now how do we go articulate this? How do we go change the behavior of of folks to go try and shift something? So. Wow, that's not an easy task. (laughs) Well, and there's also a big shift on shifting the policies, the systems, and environments that make the inequities a challenge. And so um, how do you get people to advocate to their legislators to change a policy? How do you get access to care to make a system better? Things of those natures. And then how do you, there's also just the built environment, which is... If you live in a neighborhood without a lot of places where you can go get exercise, it's hard to exercise and lose weight. So really fixing some of the systemic challenges is a big focus of where a lot of these campaigns are going. Wow. Wow. So I didn't think about it from that, how comprehensive. I mean, there's so many moving parts to it. So you like kind of talk about the suicide prevention. It's like, okay, you know, here's some resources and hopefully you can put the message out in a way that the right people see at the right time. But to really solve the problem, it's not the almost the end customer. It's almost the whole, it's the whole shooting match that comes with what led to right. well, <laughs> the fact that I might be suicidal, right? How do we start to impact some of those things? And understanding what the barriers are. Mm. What are the barriers that started causing this problem? Wow. Well, that's some really amazing work. Amazing work. I would like to touch on this uh, idea that, that, you know, I've had a chance to come to your office twice now. Is there like kind of pre-opening where it wasn't quite finished and I was back again and 
walked in and the whole area was full of employees and everybody oh, was working away and it was yeah, pretty you saw awesome. pre and post pre and post and i know there was a, a little level of nervousness uh, pre like well i hope you know if you build it they shall come kind of thing maybe, maybe i think there's a hot topic for business leaders right now so maybe talk a little bit through your process and your thinking um, that led to say man i'm going to make this investment and, and do it maybe you speak a little bit to like what did you do from the investment like what did you do maybe unique and special in your hopes to make sure we got people back in the office. And, uh, you know, where are we? How's it going? So three questions in one, Stacey. <laughs> Go three for it. Three questions in one. I packed okay. it all in there. Well, our lease had expired, was set to expire two months after uh, the pandemic hit. So we just kind of pulled everything out and put it in storage until we could figure out what to do. And we worked remotely. It was amazing to see how the team was able to come together and gel and work remotely during the pandemic. They really did a fabulous job. But after about a year, year and a half, you could really start seeing how things were fraying because there's just small pieces of information that you're not getting that you would hear next to the water cooler or going out to lunch with somebody. Or they're sitting next to you. <laughs> they're sitting next to you, right? You can hear that you can hear what's going on. Yeah. And there was also, you start to see the collaboration slide, the random, really creative ideas that you just don't come up with sitting at your house by yourself. So we knew we needed to get people back. We also had six new employees. And quite frankly, if I'd run into them at the coffee shop, I wouldn't recognize them. Oh, wow. Because people don't look the same on Zoom that they do in person. I had that experience yesterday. <laughs> I saw the photo and then they put, is this the same person? <laughs> right. So we decided we needed to really start bringing people back. And we said, look, you know, we understand wanting to work at home. We understand this being a collaborative company and a collaborative industry, really. And let's look at doing 20 hours a week. And that seemed fair and reasonable to most people. And so that sort of kind of a, that was going to be the future kind of mandate almost like, you know, if you work here, that's sort of an expectation. That's what the rest of your team needs from you okay. to be successful. Okay. Right. And quick question on that one. So did you, was that just kind of just a feel that you had for that? Or did you kind of talk to the staff at all to kind of kind of pull that out? Or I mean, how did you land on that? Definitely idea? talk to the directors. It's, straight in between zero and 40. There you go. <laughs> and it seemed like a fair thing to give a shot to. A lot of flexibility. You can pick what those 20 hours are. If you like it quiet, come on Mondays and Fridays. If you want to see everybody, come Tuesdays and Thursdays. Every other Friday, we do a staff meeting in the morning. So we just ask that everybody come to the staff meeting in person. So all hands on deck at that. Just once every other week, let's all be here together at the same time. And a lot of people really liked it. I think there's some of them that would prefer to still work at home, but they also say that they like seeing all the peers and coming to work. So we haven't lost anyone over it. We have had people not accept jobs because they want to work home full time, but it's also kind of a big identifier to us that it's really probably not a good culture fit. Yeah. Probably not a, the greatest collaborator if I, I don't want to see anybody. <laughs> right, right. So. Interesting, interesting outcome, right? Unexpected outcome. We will be right back to the show, but first, we have some very exciting news to share. As of this episode, Conscious Curiosity SD is now the official podcast for not only Conscious Capitalism San Diego, 
but also the Better Business Bureau and Be Local, both organizations here in San Diego. We are so excited to see the continued collaboration that was launched with the recent showing of the documentary Beyond Zero. Together, with the purposeful leadership of these organizations and all of its members, we can be the model city that proves we can use the powerful influence of business to significantly and positively change the city we love. For more information and ways to connect with these organizations, check out the show notes below. Now, back to the show. The facility is gorgeous. So did you do a design in in any specific way to help um, either one, uh, maybe from the standpoint of, okay, we need a little more space or something, right? Uh, Who knows what's next, right? In the same time, have the collaboration. So anything unique or just, again, more inviting, I guess? I mean, like I said, I think it's beautiful, but I mean, did you? what was the intent? What some thoughts did you have there? The intent is if we're going to ask them to come back to someplace they like as, you know, almost as much as their home, then it needs to be liked as much as your home. So we looked at it through the lens of how do we get, give people enough space? So there's more than six feet apart. How do we get people private offices when they need quiet time to be able to do that. So we have a lot of small pods and um, phone rooms and conference rooms. And then what we loved about the space was it has a 2,500 square foot patio on it. So there is plenty of outdoors area that the sliding doors open to, which allowed us to have dogs at the office because that is one of the big, deep-rooted things that people missed from the pandemic was not being able to see each other's dogs. So in the prior office, uh, prior, it, was, it was a dog friendly. Prior office, we'd have up to two dogs a day. There's a Google calendar. Oh, okay. Who, <laughs> there's a Google calendar for who gets to bring their dog in on which days. And, you know, there it comes with its own set of maintenance and care rules. And there's an agreement for that. But it really gives us a sense of place to be able to sit indoors or outdoors formally at a desk or lounging on a patio chair or couch. And it's been very well received. So there's some intent, right? I mean, we're really creating a lot of different kind of work options within the office space. There was a tremendous amount of time and effort and thought into how do we relook at the workplace so that it's something that people can feel like they're working at home but not be at home. So did you have some outside assistance in the design of that, or did you guys just kind of kind of work through that yourselves and said, I mean, are, like, are there experts out in the world today that get the idea that we got to do things different and came in with ideas, or did you guys have to kind of work that all out yourself? Well, the building, when we were going through the lease negotiation process, since it needed to be built out, there needed to be an architect. So we worked in lockstep with the architect from day one on how to maximize the space to be able to give everyone that flexibility. Very um, cool. Yeah. Nice. He did a fabulous job. So all said and done, good investment, way to go. Do you see the collaboration coming back, creativity? I mean, it was it uh, like kind of like had to kind of crank it back up or was it like almost instantaneous? What, what did you observe? It's really fun to see everybody when they're all in there together and just the laughing and the camaraderie, watching people go to lunch together, watching people get coffee together, watching people go to happy hour together or just rolling their chair across the floor to go sit next to somebody and look at the same screen. So, no, it's been great. 
Well, that's important. I mean, this is a key issue, I think, for leadership today, and it ties into a lot of things, right? Just from employee engagement and hiring and retaining and all these kinds of good things. Um, it's just one of the factors in all this and can't be overlooked. I mean, right. our, our environment is really, really important to us. All right, let's move on to this whole idea of B Corp. Okay. What the heck is a B Corp? I don't think most people know. So what, what, what is it, Stacey? Um, B Corp is an international organization that certifies businesses based on two to 300 different criteria on how committed they are to doing business for good and what their impact on the community is. For example, your stakeholders, how are you reaching your stakeholders and improving your stakeholders' lives? Such as for us, it would be the people who are the recipients of our campaigns. For manufacturers, it's things along the lines of what are you doing in your supply chain to make sure that everything is sustainable, for financial institutions, it's really looking at the impact and, and where money's coming and going and how that's being lent. So it's looking at the world from a lot of different lenses, and then it's also looking at the world from how you, what you give to your employees and what your employees and the organization are contributing to the community. So how, this conversation we just talked about facility, as an example, would that fit into that in some fashion, or is that just kind of a whole sideline kind of thing? It did fit into it in two fashions. It is a lead certified facility, so really looking at the impact that we are or not having, are or are not having, on the environment, and then it's also in a location that is. Um, TACPA certified, which is adjacent to an underserved community. So having business there helps the neighborhood around it. Oh, wow. Okay. So it really looks at all kinds of different things. And so, I mean, does someone come out and audit you? Like you say, this is what I'm doing. And then there's an auditor that comes out and verifies or what does that look like? It's a self-reporting assessment that, again, I think of the 200 points that you are reporting on, you have to improve your score year over year. So you have to show growth in specific areas. Oh, wow. Okay. Now, I know you just went through a recertification, mm -hmm. right? So we, we've not yet been audited. Okay. So how is that? But I'm sure that's a, I'm sure that's an option. So that was, you, you, you did this in 18, 19 was your first, the certification? I forget. But. 18, 20. So yes, we were certified in 18. We recertified in 20 and we just recertified. So every oh, two, two years? 17, 19, and 21. So why, why did you choose to do this? Because it sounds like a pretty rigorous program. Um, obviously, it's costing some money to go do all these kinds of good things. What was your motivation? That's an interesting question, and I, I don't know that I've shared this with you. Um, it's kind of a dirty little secret because I didn't really buy into it at first. But my team asked about it, and they really wanted to do it. And from my lens, I was... Yeah, kind of skeptical of a lot of things, but I looked at it going, okay, well, it's not inexpensive. It's a big lift. And all you're doing is telling me that you're verifying that we're a good company. I already know that we're a good company. I think our credentials speak for ourselves. But I do like to listen to the team, and they typically have great insight, and um, I rely on them very much. So we leaned into it and got the certification. And then you could really kind of start watching the impact because when we got the certification, there were some areas where we hadn't really realized that we could make an impact. So 
we spent the next two years kind of looking at some of those areas, how our building is recycling the trash and are they recycling the trash and just, you know, just little teeny tiny things. But when you look at a lot of teeny tiny things and you try to improve the ones that you can group together and easily tackle, you really do start to see more impact. Things start to add up, right? And things really start to add up. And so really watching our score exponentially increase over the last six years was incredibly rewarding. And then getting more integrated on the San Diego board for the local B Corps and really kind of building that, those relationships and that camaraderie has been rewarding. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of went from a skeptic six years ago to helping drive the bus at the board level. You're all in. You're all in. So when it comes to solving a problem, right? So we, we need to improve on something. How do you engage the organization around that? I mean, you put a, a team together to say, hey, we want to get better at X. And um, who's interested? And then they embark on something and come back and say, uh, Stacy, it's only going to cost us this much money. <laughs> Here's the ROI. Or, yeah. So how does the team engage? It is exactly that. Um, most of the team members are on you know, we've got a handful of committees or teams within the agency, and one of those is the purpose team. And so the purpose team has eight members, and they're in charge of coming, you know, hearing what the staff would like to see in the way of our B Corp efforts, as well as non-B Corp activities as well, making recommendations for those, and then having those come to fruition. So that's almost like they're almost knighted to be the ones that are kind of the B Corp overseer. Is that, is that am I understanding that kind they, of correctly? That they, they're they oversee our B Corp, but they also oversee our other initiatives that don't necessarily fall under B Corp. We have a volunteer time off program, and so we're asking everybody to take eight to sixteen hours a year paid to go out into the community and serve the community, and. Wow, everybody, that's, not, that's not part of the list. Come on. Everybody has, everybody has, you know, good intentions. Well, I mean, it qualifies as two different things. It's a program that we've always had that we mm, like. Okay. Yes, we do get credit for it through B Corp, but we see it as a separate program. Okay. Interestingly enough, you'd think that'd be really easy to get people to do, and everybody has the intention to do it. But time travels fast in an agency, and the next thing you know, you're at December and you haven't used it. So it's making sure, you know, they kind of lead in setting up the volunteer opportunities for us to go out and, and earn our credits on that. They look at and they put an RFP out to nonprofit agencies to find out who needs help and will donate up to twenty-five dollars or $50,000 in labor and services per year to two organizations. So they write the RFP, they vet the candidates, and then they make sure that those campaigns or those programs get delivered and managed over the course of the year. So this is the interesting question. So I'm sitting here. Let me be the skeptic, right? Let's do, let's do that. <laughs> so now we got those projects. We're, we're, running, we're doing all these things, right? Mm -hmm. got this purpose team, and you know it's taking time. It's taking effort. Huh. But we also, you know, we got to turn the big wheel and make money and get the projects out, right? Build by the hour. So, yes, when I walk past it, I go, okay, eight people at an hour. Yeah, what's yeah, this cost to me? What's this cost to me, right? And, and even, not even from the financials, just, you know, my capacity to, you know, get the projects done. So do you find that this creates kind of an engagement and enthusiasm from the staff in a way that, that's not even an issue. Without I mean, doubt. people figure it out because they're willing to put the energy and the effort in. And they figure it out. They make it happen. 
Um, that gave me the same tingle as the suicide and it, story. <laughs> and it, it just gives them purpose and passion for the agency. Right. It's, it's just a win-win. Well, as a general rule of thumb, want to be good, they want to do good. So when you empower them to do that, it gives you the feels. So this is just a huge message. I mean, if people listening to this, I mean, the number one subject that everywhere I go, people are, ah, oh, man, I'm having a hard time hiring people. And I know right now that they're getting the phones ringing and people are trying to recruit them out of here. And there's this grand fear. Right. Can you give them enough money to stay? Well, probably not, right? right? Or can you afford to do that? But can you create an environment that you just got to describing? It's like, where else can I go and go do this? Right. right? I mean, that's what you're looking to create there. Yes. And not just the willy-nilly whatever, but I mean something that's measurable and uh, it actually has an impact and it's a worthwhile thing and this is what we stand for. And yeah, this is what the whole program is all about. That's what conscious capitalism is about. And we kind of talk philosophy, but B Corp is like, okay, let's, let's get real about this. Right. Let's, let's, let's go measure it. Let's see what you're actually doing out there. Let's see your report card. Exactly, exactly. Right. And I will say too within that, we were hit by the great resignation just as much as the next one. Oh, really? No, well, that's not true. We were hit by the great resignation, but not at the level that other agencies and our industry as a whole has. We were significantly under. And the people that we lost weren't the ones that I would say were fully mm. drinking the Kool-Aid. Right, which is part of the story. Which is part of the story. And it's not to say that they didn't like working for a good company and a B Corp. But when I really look at the people who lean in and are, sit on things like the purpose committee and they're still here. So that's the whole idea of stakeholder engagement, right? Mm -hmm. And it's the idea that we stand for something besides just being an agency that's putting out great ads and do what we're doing. We stand for something bigger and that becomes your drawing card. I believe in these things. So I'm willing to come show up and work at this company because we've connected at that level. Right. Yeah, I can come work here and it's a good company, but if I never really connected to that for whatever reason, so sure. it's not, that, that's part of it. Not everyone's going to connect what you're trying to do over here. Right, right. So you have to kind of understand that. But the reality is you can start to look at that and say, and that's just employees. I'm assuming from the customer's perspective, even when you're like talking about the lease or whatever, you start to talk about, who are you? You know, right. this is why you should lease to us is because uh, we're this kind of company. So you start to look at all your different stakeholders. And you can start to have a strategy about given who we are, how do I tell the story to that, that group in a way that they can get enrolled what we're doing? The nice part about it is it's not telling a story. It's who this are you? This is what you? we do, right? Right. It just is who are you? You know, we the authentic it, civilian. It is. It's, like, it's the authentic civilian. So... You know, when we when we were first talking about the brand, it, it felt like a story. And that's why we kind of kept leaning into it and leaning into it. And you're like, oh, yeah, no, that's it. That's us right there. All right. So what's the best story? I mean, what would you say, you know, went down this journey of B Corp. I mean, obviously, it's awesome what's happening here. But what's one specific story you go? Yeah, that itself paid for the whole idea of doing what we're doing over here. I would say one of our clients, it came down to... I think that 12 people were bidding on a project. It, it wasn't an insignificant project. And there was two agencies that were kind of neck and neck, and we were a little more expensive. And they said, can you come down in price? And I said, we can come down a little bit in price. And I said, can you come down more? And I said, we can't. And they're like, but you're neck and neck, and we're leaning towards you because you're a B Corp. Mm. And, and I said, you know, I, I can throw in some pro bono hours, but I can't drop the rate. So we got there. And 
we won that contract because we were a B Corp. And, recognized as such. Yeah. You know, recognized as such. And because, you know, we can't point to it and say that's the reason why we won that one, but they've said it's a, a definite factor. So if I'm sitting here and I'm thinking about it, what's the one cautionary thing you would kind of say to me? It's like, before you do this, Jeff, it all sounds great. And I can tell you how it's kind of evolved for us and all the positives. What's like the one thing you'd say to me? Well, but take this under consideration too, because what, what would you cautionary thing you would say to me? Make sure you think this through before you pull the trigger on this. To really sit down and look at the assessment and make sure that you're willing to pay a check every two years for the privilege of spending copious amounts of hours backing, <laughs> backing up what you do so that you can keep your certification. I mean, you okay. sit there going, I'm paying for this. It's like when you go to the gym, right? I'm paying for this trainer to sit here and yell at me, you know? Right, 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 right. But I wouldn't show up if I didn't have the trainer sitting there. But I wouldn't show up if I didn't have the trainer yeah, sitting there. So it's um, kind of an interesting... I, I don't really think that there's much more from a cautionary tale standpoint. All right. So uh, just maybe share a little bit, um, what does it look like here locally? How many companies actually are B Corps here in the greater San Diego area? And then maybe share a little bit, what, what is B Local? So B Local is the local chapter of the certified B Corps. So if I become certified, I, I kind of become a, automatically become a member? Or? Not, not necessarily. You're a B Corp. And uh, we do get a roster of the companies that are B Corps within the community. And so we have reached out and built, I'm going to say we're almost at 30. And that's a, you know, that was a big jump from a couple years ago. We were hovering at 20. Over the last two years, and this has been interesting to watch during the pandemic, really the last 18 months, three or four of us got together and have really leaned in on having more engagement with other B Corp chapters. We do four events a year. We've got social media channels going now. We've got the website going. And it's been great to just watch these local leaders kind of lean in with all their heart to keep the community together. So typically getting together and kind of sharing and hearing what other people are doing and you go, oh, mm -hmm. okay, or how do I solve number 15 on the list? Numbers. Right, <laughs> or just, you know, here's some of the challenges we're up against lately. And mm -hmm. even if it's not a B Corp related thing, really just watching that camaraderie go. And then also seeing the different companies come together for, say, a tree planting event. Uh, okay, so collaborating um, on some of the and efforts. It was, it was nice. really amazing to sit there at the top of a hill out at Flynn Springs Park, and we've got 40 people doing, it's called non-native remediation. That means we, pulling weeds. Oh, <laughs> what does that mean? Non-native remediation, I found out the hard way, means pulling trees. So we were you, doing you tree thought, planting. You thought you, you thought you were going to do something really fun and right? lofty. And no, yeah, <laughs> no, I, um, get on your knees and start pulling weeds. But, but we're out there, and at the end of three hours with 40 people, Ranger Nate comes over and he looks at us and he says, you know, you guys accomplished in one morning what would take us six weeks to accomplish because they just don't have the staff or the resources. So we planted 40 trees. We remediated a lot of non-native plants. <laughs> All those fails. No, <laughs> There's then, always a plan B. And then we went out and had barbecue and afterwards in a grand old time. Oh, that is awesome. So Stacey, I'm kind of curious. So what, what are the first steps that one would take if they wanted to become a B Corp? What should I be doing? I would tell you to just go to the B Corp website and take the assessment. It's free. And that really kind of gives you an indication 
So that's a whole 200 and some right. questions if it's, so you can if kind of see where you sit. And exactly. And if it's your jam. And also see what the scope looks like, What right? the scope looks like. And if those are things that you are doing, want to do, or have the stomach to do and really want to lean into on. Okay, perfect. So you get a little insight. So that you're not blind, jumping in blindly. Right. Perfect. So we're uh, kind of start to wrap up here. What's the big idea? We talked about multiple things here today. I mean, kind of the whole shift in your business model, uh, B Corp, uh, the facilities. What's the, what would you like the big takeaway for the audience to be? Lean in on work that makes you happy with people you like to work with. And the rest of it just kind of follows. Yes, yes. I'll agree with that one. That's what I, yeah, it's got to start with go do something you want to do. Something yeah, it has to, it starts with you. Fits, you. fits your nature, fits your skills. Right. Ties in, hopefully you know your purpose in life. Right. <laughs> Ties into that. Yeah, it's awesome. Well, Stacy, I want to thank you for taking the time to come to the show today and sharing your amazing experience, insights, and wisdom. And for all the work you're doing here in the community and outside the community of San Diego, make it a better world. So that's our show for today. And if you enjoyed it, please subscribe and share the podcast with a friend. That is the best way to help us continue to get the word out and have the big movement of conscious capitalism here in our own community of San Diego. I'm Jeff Blanton saying, in the meantime, go do what you do. Go do what you do best, for we are all counting on you.